This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. 2022 has been another big year for the blueberry industry, and this podcast has been a great way to capture a lot of those milestones, trends, and perspectives from our growers, stakeholders, and industry leaders in real time. As a way to reflect on this past year, we have pulled a few of this year's highlights to share with all of you on this episode. As we head into the new year, I hope we are all reflecting on what's been accomplished and how we're working together to build on this past year's efforts. One thing that 2022 will likely be remembered for is being the year that we returned to a new normal following lockdowns and other effects of the pandemic. That gave us a chance to talk to Driscoll Soren Bjorn in episode 88 about what the pandemic meant for blueberries and if some of those changes might be here to stay. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things have happened in the last, you know, two years where we lived in this pandemic. Some really good things. I think searching our own hearts, okay, within our industry, which I, I, I truly believe in, in the long run will be great for the industry. It needed to happen. Probably a lot of us in the industry didn't realize it at the time. And so, you know, it was, it was challenging for a long period of time there. But I really feel like we, we came out in many ways looking a lot better on, on the back end of both the pandemic and this internal debate that had to take place in the industry. I think if you just start with the pandemic, the really, really good things we've seen is that berries in general, including blueberries, have done really well during the pandemic. And I think we have a lot of reasons to believe that a lot of that will stay with us as people have increasingly made berries a part of a healthier lifestyle. And that's good. And that's a lot easier because the berries are good. You know, I mean, they're not only good for you, but they also taste good. So that's that's a great story. And I think the other thing that, that happened during the pandemic is clearly a lot more consumers went online to buy produce, something they, they really didn't do in big numbers pre-pandemic. And I think there'll be some reason to be a little bit concerned about that. You know, if you were looking, you know, ahead two years ago, most berry consumers still buy their berries looking with their eyes first, right? That's why we have clear clamshells so you can see all of the berries. And so now you have this person you don't know, you know, picking your berries in a warehouse or in a store for you and then shipping it to your house. And I think there were a lot of questions about whether consumers were going to be comfortable with that, right? None of us want that soft, uh, moldy berry, you know, in your clamshell. And now how do you know that's not going to happen? Well, it turned out that uh, the online shoppers are doing a really good job of picking the right berries. Or, you know, we have, in fact as an industry elevated our quality up to a level where online shopping is not a problem. And so all of the data we see is that berries actually overtrade online versus in-store. And that's great because online shopping is here to stay. That's not going to go away after the pandemic, right? So I think that's one of those things, good news for the berry industry. We couldn't have known that beforehand. 
uh, we knew it was coming and we didn't know whether it was going to be good for us or challenging for us. And it turned out that it was great for us. So I think that's just one of those things where the momentum will keep carrying forward and increase the overall demand for berries. Now, I always appreciate Soren's perspective. We made two episodes actually out of that interview, and you'll hear a highlight from the second one in a few minutes. The fact that blueberries have fared so well during these changes is a testament to the industry and a reminder that if we continue to improve the quality and the consumer experience, we could be successful no matter what the future holds. You also heard Soren mention an internal discussion that he didn't get to in that clip. For that, I want to share a clip from my in-person conversation with Brad Moore that ended up becoming episodes 108 and 109 of the podcast. You know, I, I feel like there was a, a sense of despair, certainly, in the industry over the last four or five years. And actually, I, I'm starting to see a little bit of sunshine breaking through the clouds here with uh, what we're seeing this year in the marketplace. It's been our experience. And, you know, we don't sit down with retailers and have this conversation. And if we did, I, I probably wouldn't share it in this forum anyway. But it's been our experience that all things being equal, the U.S. consumer prefers U.S. grown food. But they have to be equal. The quality's got to be comparable. And that's why when I mentioned earlier genetics, I just cannot overstate the importance of if the fruit that they're bringing in is superior quality, the consumer is going to recognize that. And that's how they're going to make their buying decisions. But if we can give the consumer an alternative that is the same or better quality in terms of flavor and size and firmness and texture and all of the attributes that we believe a consumer makes buying decisions based on price is really the, it's one of the last pieces of that equation. And so, you know, we never want to own price. We want to own quality and we want to, I used the term earlier, delight the consumer. If we can do that, then there's a place for producers here in the United States now and well into the future. And that's the message that I think that we need to get out there to folks is, Look, don't tell me you can't plant another 50 acres because you don't know what's going to happen in the global competitive landscape that Peru is going to put you out of business. The reality is you can't afford not to plant 50 acres of some of these newer genetics because that's what's going to keep you in business, quite frankly. On a lot of these newer berries that we're seeing, the yields are superior. The economics in, in, in every case are superior to what we've seen previously in the market. And it's going to be transformational for the, the industry here. And I think if there were any one thing that I'd like to do in my role here and as steward of the business at, at MBG and Nature Ripe is to let folks know that there is hope. We were down, but we're not out. We've got a lot of fight left in us. And there's a space in the global marketplace for all of us. And we need to carve that niche out. And if we can do that, with superior quality and better genetics, we're going to be here now and well into the future. Quality wins. That is a message you'll hear over and over again from just about everyone who we pulled clips from for today's episode. And there are a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the industry's ability to continue improving in this area. But before we talk more about that, let's take a quick break for our crop report. Mexico and Chile have both ramped up their shipments to fill the gaps until U.S. production gets started. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today you'll hear from Luis Vegas in Peru and Mario Ramirez in Mexico. This was recorded on December 21st, 2022. 
Hello, this is Luis with a probe report from Peru until the end of week 50, which is the week ending on Sunday, December 18th. So up until the end of week 50, Peru has shipped a total of 546 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. From this total volume, 53% has been shipped to the US, 31% to Europe, 14% to China, and 2% to other destinations. Also, from this total volume, 12% have been of organic blueberries. What happened during week 50? Uh, well, a total of 4.8 million pounds were shipped. 60% of this volume has been sent to the US, accounting for 2.9 million pounds, which are expected to arrive at the US market during the first two weeks of January. 34% of the volume shipped during week 50 has been sent to Europe, 4% to China, and 3% to other destinations, including Canada, Costa Rica, El Salvador, United Arab Emirates, Hong Kong, Panama, Thailand, and Taiwan. So that's a report from Peru until the end of week 50. Thank you. Hi everyone, here Mary with the Mexican Blueberries Report for week 50 from December 11 to December 17. During week 50, Mexico exported a total of 2,209,000 pounds you know, fresh blueberries and 90% of the total volume was exported to United States. The 23% of this volume was organic blueberries exported specifically to United States. And this week, Mexico exported 10% less than previous week, week 49. In frozen blueberries, Mexico exported 44,000 pounds. It means around 9% more than previous week. And it represents only 1% of the total U.S. importations for frozen during week 50. And that's all in our report for this week. Thank you very much. And we like to wish you a Merry Christmas and, and we see you next week. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our Data and Insight Center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry, including USDA shipping price and movement, retail category performance, Nielsen monthly retail sales reports, and much, much more. Make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Okay, let's get back to today's episode of the 2022 Highlights. One of our most popular episodes ever in terms of downloads within the first 30 days was episode 115 with the voice you'll hear, Steve Magami of AgriVision. And I think you'll see why it resonated with so many people. Steve has a global perspective and an enthusiasm for the opportunities out there for blueberries. Yeah, you know, we see untapped growth potential globally. And what I mean by that is even in the most developed market in the U.S., we see a huge amount of potential to reach the level of consumption of, for example, strawberries, which is you know still multiples of the level of consumption of what we see in blueberries per person per capita. So I think there's there's room there in terms of penetration and, and consumption. And then when you look to markets that are just taking off, I mean, France is just taking off. Asia, we see un, kind of unlimited, what feels like unlimited growth potential, again, for the right product. We don't think that there's unlimited growth potential for the wrong type of blueberry, the wrong varietals, et cetera. So for the right ones, we think there's enormous potential. And we think there's going to be a lot of replacement, Casey, in terms of in the market volumes where, you know, some of the supply that doesn't make sense as fresh will go out into frozen or processed and we'll see a replacement in terms of 
and a kind of a disruption, a continued disruption in terms of the varietals that take over the volume of fresh. And so it's, it's exciting. At the same time, we think that there are markets that will open up that we don't even know how deep the potential can be. I mean, India, parts of Asia, that we just don't know how deep those markets can be. We, we don't know what varieties are going to make the most sense. But what we know is that these markets will, will consume the right varieties for those markets. These are massive opportunities for growers, for producers of the right product around the world, in our view. Take what we saw in cherries over many, many years and the consumption in China of cherries and take the growth rates, the staggering growth rates of supply of cherries into just China, for example, where the market just continued to consume and continues to consume, right? And so there are different examples I could bring up that we look at. We certainly study these different historical precedents and they are encouraging. And the we work with exceptional breeders around the world that do an incredible job that have spent their lives developing what today is truly exciting that the world doesn't know about. We see it on the front end, but consumers haven't really seen it. The surface is just being scratched. I really get excited when I hear people like Steve and others on the podcast cast a vision for what's possible for our industry. It also begs the question, how are we going to get there? And I firmly believe the answer is right there in how we sign off to every podcast episode. Innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work. This past year, we have really emphasized the collaboration aspect of this because it's a vital part of our success. It's why we've invested in building a world-class data and insights platform for the entire industry to benefit from. You've heard about this several times on this podcast from our Director of Business Intelligence, Joe Vargas, and others. One of the early leaders to help us articulate why this was so important for our marketers in our industry was Soren Bjorn back in episode 89. I have long, long time ago written off the notion that if, if we can keep all our data private, we can somehow outcompete everybody else. Okay. And that's a better way of operating than the opposite. Okay. It's saying we got to make the data that's appropriate you know, public, okay, and then everybody can see it as long as everybody else is doing the same thing. And then we compete on the things that really matter. If you're a marketeer and you have some visibility into what the overall industry volume is going to be in the coming weeks, you have a much better chance of optimizing the price returns as opposed to sort of be guessing or trying to outsmart the market, okay, in which case you're very likely to be wrong. You communicate a too high, high a price and you're not getting any orders. Or you communicate at too low a price and you get lots of orders and you run out of fruit, right? That's what all of us marketeers deal with every single week, right? And so you look in a commodity, like they say, in strawberries, and I would just encourage your members that if they don't believe this, they haven't seen this, they ought to just go into the California Strawberry Commission website and there's all the data. There's the pick sheet that comes out every week. There's the acreage report that comes out, you know, a couple times a year. It gets updated, it gets refined. You can see all the varieties that are grown by growing district in California, right? You know, the proprietary varieties are listed, you know, sort of in, in one bucket you know, together. And so you have a pretty good idea about what you're up against. They're doing their own forecast, right? We are all as marketers doing our forecast and we're saying, okay, this is what we think the market is going to do in terms of overall supply. This is the demand that we are sensing out there. And therefore, this is the price we're going to communicate to our customers. We're not always right on that, that this is art, okay? It's more like magic, okay, if you have no data. 
you're really running a professional business where you have data that's backing up what you're communicating out. So you can give the market confidence in what we're doing. Same thing, if you're an investor in this industry, which you know, we all are at, at, at some level, if the industry has a high degree of transparency, then there's less uncertainty about what you're investing into. You're still investing into the future. But at least you know what the starting point is. And that is, from an investor standpoint, a much, much better place to be, right? You know, the one thing that investors don't like is a high degree of uncertainty. Then they just expect higher and higher returns. And so I think what we want is we want to take some of that uncertainty out so that the investors, in fact, don't need as high a return to keep growing the business. From talking to so many of you in the industry, I am convinced that data is a perfect opportunity for us to come together and collaborate for the benefit of everyone. Soren mentioned how effective it has been in strawberries and similar platforms have worked well in other commodities. The time is right. And as you've been hearing, the opportunities are countless out there. So if you haven't interacted with Joe Vargas yet or engaged his team about this, I highly encourage you to reach out to him directly. Improved Data and Insights is one of the three strategic priorities for the United Blueberry Advisory Committee that was launched in 2021. At the time, the task force, before it became a committee, developed a memorandum of understanding that guides cross-industry funding to support fresh and processed blueberry demand driving activities. The way I like to frame this is it gives our industry the chance to do more with more. After Data and Insights, the other two task force priorities are industry advocacy and increased promotions and marketing. The latter which has Brian Bocock really excited here in episode 97. For so many years, we've made some efforts to really influence different channels to get to the consumer. But again, with relatively limited budget, I mean, if you compare us to some of the other commodities, even yet today with what the importers have done, um, a limited budget, but all this... Almost all, I shouldn't say all, but almost all of the new um, income that we got is going right at consumption, is going right at the consumer, is going right at targeted audiences. And it's not your USHBC promotion committee sitting behind a closed door studying numbers. It's getting the money out. And, and that money is so valuable because now we have the base of money to study the numbers with, and we're starting to get a base of money to do something with that knowledge base. And it's exciting. I cannot wait to see some of the results of our programs. I know some of them won't work out well. Probably all the ones I suggested will fail miserably. But, <laughs> but, but um, it, it, it's just exciting to start getting out there and really getting after increasing per capita consumption through demand, not through increased production, but through demand. One of the beautiful things that I have always appreciated about USHBC and NABC is that we all take our hats and we put them off to the side and we talk about blueberries, right? And so if as an industry, and I believe collectively in a majority way, we're thinking this way, we can turn that grab a boost of blue into a consistent delivery 52 weeks a year. Now, when you're talking to me about household penetration, we're starting to talk about those bigger numbers, right? When they consistently go in and grab their boost of blue 
and it delivers against their expectation from firmness and flavor, boom. Now we're cooking on all cylinders. And it's everybody across the board because we all will succeed if all of us are hitting the same way. I love this vision of coming together as an industry and driving quality and consistency in our products and our messaging with Grab a Boost of Blue. I hope everyone listening is utilizing this promotional effort because it is really powerful and a big differentiator for blueberries. I can't overstate how bullish I am for the many opportunities out there for us if we continue to work together as an industry. But like anything, we also continue to face challenges. One of those is labor. And we talked about this in episode 91 with Gary Wisnaski of Wish Farms. It's an issue that impacts our entire industry. Gary has been a part of bringing an automated picker to the strawberry industry, and he said blueberries needs to move in the same direction. It is going to take time and a lot of money. I can promise you that. It's, it's not a cheap endeavor to, to do, but if you get enough people behind it and get enough investment from in the industry, I, I, I think it, you know, it could be a cheat in, in that less than that 10-year time frame, but the thing I, I think growers in the U.S. need to realize, and I made this point at the uh, meeting we had last week, was this um, situation we're in right now, we're relying very heavily on guest workers, the H-2A labor program in the U.S. And I tell folks all the time, this is a short-term solution for a long-term problem. If you look at those demographics, going back to that again, when you see went from 2.9 to 2.2 now, it's not too much of a stretch to think that in the very near future, Mexico, where our labor has been coming from, is going to be a net importer of labor. They're not going to be exporting labor to the U.S. in the numbers that they have. So I think that's something that should be a wake-up call for all North American growers not to expect this affordable labor coming from across the border for very much longer, even though, you know, the H-2A labor program is, is working right now and we're getting by. But um, it's it's time to start working on something like, because, like I said before, it's, it takes time to develop this technology. So maybe there's some folks already working on some ideas for blueberries, but I, I'm not aware of it if they are. Labor costs and availability continue to be a big threat to our industry, and Gary is not the only one on the podcast who has pointed this out. To me, this underscores the need for us to keep pursuing innovation. This past year, we featured podcast episodes with startups, researchers, and innovative growers, and innovative companies will be on display in person at the Blueberry Convention in San Diego this February. Some of the biggest challenges to our industry in recent years have been dealt by Mother Nature. We've shared episodes with you on this podcast of stories of flooding and extreme heat and the impact this has had on blueberry producers. This is another area where research and technology can help to make us more resilient. Oregon State University berry crop specialist and researcher Bernadine Strick joins us on episode 93 to share where she thinks research can help in these areas. Where I, I definitely see a need right now is more research related to the impact of climate change, which is affecting every region. Done quite some research on the physiology of blueberries, determining, you know, what factors influence fruit bud sets, so how many flower buds are developed. And that's genetically driven, but it's also climate driven. And then how many flowers are per bud, that's mainly genetically driven. And then we have fruit set, how many flowers become berries. 
and seed set how many ovules within the ovary become seeds and seed number is directly related to berry size which is a big quality and value item fruit set and seed set are genetically as well as climate driven so when we look at climate change we know it's going to have an effect on maximum potential yield if it affects flower bud number so we need more research to determine are there genetic differences in resiliency to climate change during flower bud development in addition to that we need to study our existing cultivars as too little information and any new cultivars for what are the critical threshold temperatures for good pollen grain germination the rate of pollen tube growth those two things influence a fruit set and seed set we don't know how our current cultivars differ most of them there hasn't been research done on and breeders are not looking at this company breeders or public breeders are not looking at this for their new genetics that needs to change in my opinion looking at at better resiliency with cultivars that are better adapted to broader temperature ranges and then with the heat dome that we had in our region last year we saw big genetic differences in heat tolerance and that is physiologically related the temperature and humidity thresholds for the plant shutting down the stomates closing when that happens that happens because they're conserving water the plants are even when there's wonderful irrigation and so the thresholds for that are unknown in our current cultivars and if we can find out what the thresholds for that are for temperature and humidity then breeders can breed for that in their new plant material and release cultivars that are better adapted to the heat one key change i think is going to be critical for our growers at least in our region where humidity can be very low is to put in dual systems maybe 25 percent of our growers now have overhead micro sprinklers for evaporative cooling i think that's going to have to increase to reduce the risk of having those big heat dome impacts which are likely to become more prevalent in the future i should mention that bernadine is also a duke galetta award winner and we truly value everything she's done for our industry I can't do a better job of articulating what's happening in the blueberry industry than these leaders have already done. But if I had to sum it up, I would say this. There is a lot of exciting opportunities ahead for blueberries, both in household penetration and in new global market development. We have come a very long way to delight more consumers on a more consistent basis. I couldn't be more excited about what's yet to come in 2023 and beyond but it's gonna take a great deal of innovation and collaboration to rise to this opportunity. And I invite you to participate in these efforts like the data sharing platform, the Grab a Boost of Blue campaign, the United Blueberry Advisory Committee, and join us in San Diego in February. And that's it for today's episode. So again, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next year with more innovation, collaboration, family and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Mm -hmm.